Jeremiah 31, 30 through 34. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their inequity and remember their sin no more. Romans 2, 28 through 29. For a person is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is true circumcision something external and physical. Rather, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and real circumcision is a matter of the heart. It is spiritual and not literal. Such a person receives praise, not from others, but from God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Holy God, send your spirit upon us that as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. Warning. This sermon contains the word circumcision more times than you may be comfortable hearing or that I may be comfortable saying. Thank you for your understanding as this is an important biblical covenant theme. In John Wesley's sermon, Circumcision of the Heart, we remember John Wesley, right? Founder of the Methodist movement at the end of the 1700s. In his sermon, he sets out a very logical understanding of what such a circumcision means. It means, and I quote, the habitual disposition of the soul, which in the sacred writings is termed holiness, directly implies being cleansed from sin and being renewed in mind so as to be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. Among other things like renouncing the works of darkness, every appetite and affection not subject to the laws of God, it, meaning circumcision of the heart, implies that we love our brother and sister, and it is all based on faith, as we are convinced that we are not sufficient enough to help ourselves. There, got it? Easy, right? Painless. Just know that you can't do it by yourself, says John Wesley. You've got to have faith. And just remove anything in your life that separates you from God. So cue the magic wand sounds and sparkles easy. Except that I don't always find it easy. I'm not always sure what it is that is keeping me from God. And when I do become aware, sometimes that thing that's keeping me from God is so insidious, it's difficult to remove. 
Like probably everyone else, I grew up learning different rhymes and songs for a variety of reasons. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. A tisket, a tasket, a green and yellow basket. Or nanny, nanny, boo, boo. There was one rhyme in particular that I learned. I have no idea where I learned it from. It was not my parents. But I distinctly remember playing on the backyard swing set, sing, saying this rhyme that I won't repeat now. But let's just say that it was very stereotyping. And let's be real. Now I realize it as all-out racist against Asian Americans. And there was something so seemingly harmless about that little rhyme, and yet I know that it shaped my understanding of the one Asian American family that resided in the small Texas town that I grew up in, they were seen in my eyes as novelties, stereotyped, seen as characters, not necessarily as real people. Thanks to Barry Nance, who read our scriptures today, I hope that his background, you see all that snow, that will remind us of what snow we had last week. But as Barry read the scriptures, he read the scripture from Jeremiah who promises that there will be a new covenant one day. Let's remember that for generations and generations, one of the main signs of a relationship between God and Israel was circumcision. That and the following of the law, so we're talking about both the Abrahamic and the Mosaic covenants, those were what set the Israelites apart as God's chosen people. And by Jesus's and Paul's time, circumcision was a good marker for who was in God's favor and who was out. Paul deals with communities that are taking this debate very seriously, and circumcision is a hot topic. How can you even be a Jew without circumcision? And let's remember that in Paul's time, the idea of being a Christian wasn't really around yet, so to be a person of God or one of God's people, it meant you had to become a Jew, The Jews were God's people, and this new covenant established in Christ was still understood by most to be between God and God's chosen people, the Jews. So how could you be a Jew without circumcision? And Paul introduces this very radical idea that circumcision of the body is less important than circumcision of the heart. An inward spiritual mark that signifies true transformation of behavior and attitudes. No doubt this would have caused no small amount of conflict. 
To some, this idea was nullifying the very basis of relationship between God and God's people that had been the tradition for thousands upon thousands of years, all the way back to Abraham. But this profound shift, the idea of circumcision of the heart, offered the world something extraordinary. An opening up of the understanding of who's God, who God's people are. I wonder how the idea of circumcision of the heart would have been heard by the women who all their lives were excluded from the covenant because of the inability to be circumcised. And how this amazing new paradigm of looking to the heart for the sign of relationship with God would have been received and welcomed with tears of gratitude and relief, finally being able to be a part of the covenant was not an easy shift, however. And as the New Interpreter's Bible remarks, making the claim that God will renew or has renewed the covenant, throwing its membership open far and wide, was unpopular when the prophets did it, when Jesus did it, when Paul did it. And it's no more popular today. As people of faith, we are called to continue to cry out for inclusion and equality for all persons, including the end of racism. And sometimes this call is still met with anger, justification, and defensiveness. And so this last week when my clergy colleague and friend, Reverend Betty Gwynn, shared a letter from the Asian Americans of the United Methodist Church condemning the rising of anti-Asian violence in the United States. I had to look into my own heart and resist the temptation to think that this isn't that big of a deal and to understand that my own attitudes have been racist in many ways most of my life. And I need to repent of shortcomings in my own mind and heart. The letter that my friend Betty shared says this. Lent is a season of self-examination, confession, and a walk with Jesus through the wilderness. Alienation, betrayal, death, and ultimately resurrection. As we journey with Jesus through Lent, we see that we are currently in a period of darkness because there has been a precipitous rise in the hatred and violence against the Asian American community in our country. The Asian American bishops of the United Methodist Church, the New Federation of Asian American United Methodists, 
and the Asian American Language Ministry Plan, along with other Asian American leaders and academics of the United Methodist Church, strongly condemn the surge in xenophobic violence against Asian Americans, and especially violence against the Asian American elderly. More than 122 incidents of anti-Asian American hate crimes have been committed in 16 of the country's most populous cities since 2020, an increase of almost 150% over the previous year. 2,800 incidents of racism and discrimination targeting Asian Americans have occurred since March of 2020. According to the site Stop AAPI Hate, meaning Asian American Pacific Islanders Hate, between March 19, 2020 and December 31, 2020, they received 126 accounts of Asian hate involving Asian Americans over 60 years old. That's 7.3% of the total incidents. It is never a comfortable thing to do a fearless moral inventory of the heart, of the heart of ourselves or our community or our country. In fact, circumcision hurts. It leaves you raw and in need of healing. Bandages are needed. Restorative balm is required. But after the recovery, the true circumcision of the heart is a sign of the new covenant. One that God offers to all people, male and female, Jew and Gentile, straight and gay, Caucasian and Asian, white and black. And the sign of this new covenant is that we are drawn closer to God and closer to each other. This is a new covenant built on grace, built on love, built on faith. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day.